Femininity is powerful in all its forms. Exceptional women, rare girls must be appreciated in every way for their perspectives, actions, thoughts, and their unique ways of being. Such rare girls are inspiring, and this is what this podcast is all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and my guest today is Amanda Nisa Gonzalez Mejia. Amanda is originally from Caracas, Venezuela, but grew up in the U.S. in the outskirts of D.C. in Arlington, Virginia. During high school, she was the Virginia Student Action Coordinator for Amnesty International, President of the Latin American Student Association, and Student Representative for the Equity Team, co-lead in her school's Generation Ratified chapter, which organized multiple countrywide protests, as well as a writer and editor for an independent student-run publication called The Vanguard. Amanda is currently studying political economy at Duke Kunshan University, but she is very interested in behavioral science. She loves listening to all kinds of music, hanging out with her friends and working out. She just started college, so she is looking forward to becoming more involved in extracurricular activities. Amanda, how are you today? Hi, Aziz. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little bit tired. Uh, The beginning of freshman year of college has been very new, uh, as you might expect, um, and lots to take in, but but I'm doing pretty good today. Thank you. How are you? I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling lucky to be alive and filled with the energy of life and absolutely curious about you because of your unique background as well. You as a person, you have your own uniqueness. So I'll begin with this. If your friends could describe your personality what would they say about you? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I think probably assertive, um, a little bit hard-headed at times, uh, very sociable, I think maybe funny, I would like to think. And yeah, I'm hopefully reliable and a good friend to them. <laughs> Thank you. And in your mind, what does assertiveness mean? Because there are even trainings for uh, employees and executives, assertiveness trainings, etc. So it's something that a lot of people would like to develop. How would you explain it? As well as how did you develop the assertive attitude or side of your personality? I think I wasn't always assertive. Uh, I think um, growing up as a child, I was very social and very outgoing. But I don't know if assertive was a word I would use to describe myself. I think um, assertiveness comes with a certain confidence in oneself, but it's not just confidence. I think it's um, being okay with rejection. Uh, it comes with assertiveness. Uh, it comes with not confidence in yourself, but confidence in what you're saying and what you're doing. I think goal setting is really important to become an assertive person. You can't really be assertive if you don't know what you're being assertive for. Um, I think uh, being assertive is like being a force, sort of like being like, you know what you want to do. So you need to do this and this and this. Um, and to do that, you have to have a goal that you're working towards. So I think goal setting and having confidence in the goal that you're setting. So the, having that goal for the right reasons um, and the right motivation 
And then being confident in yourself and knowing that you can do what you've set your mind to do. And I think that all starts with like inner working of self-esteem and, and, you know, being comfortable with yourself, you know, loving yourself, all that stuff. But yeah, I think uh, goal setting is really important and also being okay and comfortable with yourself and knowing that uh, although you have this trajectory that you really want to accomplish, um, there will be challenges and, and being okay with that. Thank you. That's such a beautiful topic and it has so many facets. And I'll begin with this one. You spoke about the importance of believing in the goals you set, of having them for the right reasons. A lot of people don't know what they want. Most people know what they don't want, but they cannot really choose because they think, oh my God, what if I'm choosing the wrong thing? What if uh, it's not the right goal? What if I'll change my mind later? And therefore, they never have enough conviction behind their goals. How do you know what are those right reasons? And how can you develop conviction or confidence that you are on the right path, choosing the right things? That's a really good question. Um, I think I myself am struggling with this a little bit. As you mentioned before, I was really set on political economy, but now I've been become really interested in uh, behavioral science. And so I think having the right reasons rather than just being like, uh, what are, what are you going to do with your life? Like, broadly speaking, as in what's your job? What are you going to study? All that. I don't think that's what matters. I think the underlying principle why you're choosing what you're choosing is what actually matters in terms of goal setting. So I think what I mean is saying like, am I doing something that fits me uh, as a person and how I want to change the world and how I want to leave my mark on the world? So whether that be through math or physics or writing, I think it, it it's more about why you're getting into it than the subject itself. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, I think it, it's more of it's more of the long term speaking of how am I going to leave my impact with this thing that I'm going to choose, and how am I going to make the world a better place with this thing that I'm going to choose and, and and keep choosing for the rest of my life. Obviously, that's not an easy question, and that's not something that you can just answer overnight. If you do a little journaling, like that's not going to come to your head as a pop-up idea and be like, oh, okay, perfect, this is what I'll do forever. I think no one is ever okay with what they choose completely. A lot of people are very passionate about their careers, but I think it's it's kind of impossible to be completely 100% into that goal that you're seeking. Regardless, it, it's more about, as I said, that underlying principle of why am I choosing this right now? Like, how is this motivating me right now to do what I, I, I want to leave in the world, if that makes sense. It does very, very well. And therefore, I would like to ask about the other side, which is the self-esteem, self-efficacy, self-confidence, which seems to be constantly eroded in this age of social media where people compare themselves to photoshopped people, to snippets of ideal lifestyles that don't exist all the time, etc. Do you believe social media is a force for good in this world or more a force for comparison and like people won't have that self-esteem because they compare themselves to the apparent perfection of others. And therefore, what's your whole opinion about how to keep your self-esteem high 
nowadays? I personally have never found myself comparing myself to anyone on social media. I know that that's something that a lot of people struggle with, especially young girls, um, my demographic, especially girls coming into adulthood that happen to see these like perfect Instagram accounts of girls with perfect bodies and perfect lives uh, that have money to spend on every piece of designer clothing they ever want. And that's definitely something that's hard to live with. And and it's like, it sort of even goes to the goal setting that I was talking about. That's like, you look at yourself as this like bar. And then there's these girls that are like three times above you that seem to be living these like goal setting lifestyles. It's almost like a, a, like, like looking at yourself rather than through comparison. I feel like it's more of like a, oh, I could be this sort of like a failed potential even. And I think comparison is definitely unhealthy. Like, I don't think there's, I, I think in this day and age, it's very hard to healthily compare. I think it can be done, but it's really difficult when you're looking at people that are so above, like socially admired standard of what we should be um, when we're, you know, average because most people are average. But the truth is social media is such a lie that it, it and, and we forget that so often that that standard of comparison doesn't really exist because it's, it's pictures. It's, it's a moment in time. It's not their lifestyle completely. Of course, there's people that do live this lifestyle, but nothing is 100% romanticized in real life. Nothing is 100% perfect the way it seems in Instagram, especially. And I think it's so deceiving because it's, it's just that one picture. So I think Instagram is, a, or it, Snapchat, TikTok, they're great ways to connect with people. Uh, I know I've gotten a lot of really helpful and useful information on Instagram. Um, I was able to find you in this podcast through Instagram. So of course, the networking aspect and the social aspect is great. But that difficulty that we have understanding that those pictures are just pictures and are just seconds of someone's life and not um, an unachievable goal-setting lifestyle that we will never be able to reach and rather just those those little pictures. Um, I think that is that is inherently pretty unhealthy because uh, unless we go into the app knowing these are just captures rather than oh this is someone's life that I could be living and I'm not I'm such a waste. Um, I think that that is pretty unhealthy. And then as for the second part of your question which is which was how to work on self-esteem I've I believe so uh, uh, I think self-esteem is half inner working and half outer working. A lot of people I feel like would disagree with that, but I think I think self-esteem has to do with taking care of yourself emotionally for starters. For for very the very baseline is definitely taking yourself taking care of yourself uh, emotionally, psychologically, uh, having people that you love around. Loving people unconditionally as well, not just receiving, but also giving. And also taking care of your surrounding, your physical space is very important, I think. Um, I think it definitely isn't just the inner workings. I think you you do have to put in some work in organizing your life, setting a schedule, achieving goals, setting goals, very important. Um, and I, I wouldn't just say it's organization because it's not, but there is a, a need for organization so that you can get where you need to be, which I feel like boosts your self-esteem when, you, when you're setting these goals for yourself and achieving them. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a mix of everything. It's a mix of uh, surrounding yourself with people you love and that love you, committing to healthy relationships and whatever is unhealthy for you, letting that go, things that you know don't do you well. And also, of course, taking care of yourself mentally and, and resting, journaling, uh, working on any issues that you might have from your past and so on. I agree 100% self-care as well as allowing yourself to overcome any limiting beliefs or past traumas, etc. is always a way to elevate your happiness, your ability to enjoy life without 
putting undue pressures or extreme perfectionism into the equation. And I would like to ask you about your interest in behavioral science. What's the story behind that? Why is that field fascinating for you? And tell me more. Um, so I've always been into like personality typology, like uh, MBTI, Myers-Briggs, cognitive functions, all of that. Um, I'm super fascinated by the fact that we can all sort of fall into these like scientific categories of why we act the way that we act. Um, and I've always been a very curious person. And I think for a long time during my like formative, like 13, 12, I was very confused as to why I was, you know, going through my teenage years. And then I found MBTI and I like typed myself and I was like, oh my God, I'm this person. Like, this is who I am. Um, and this is why I act the way that I do. And then I started kind of like rationalizing all of my behavior because of my MBTI. I typed everyone around me. I knew all of my teachers, MBTI, all of my friends, my, my family. Um, and for a long time, I, I rationalized all of our behaviors and tried to like nitpick like, oh, this is why they're acting this way. And, da, da, da. and it was very interesting. It, it, it really explained to me, it got me into the field. But um, now that I'm in college and I'm learning about real behavioral science, which has taught me that MBTI might not be the most reliable and scientific way to uh, understand the world and understand others, I've really just become fascinated by the fact that as a society, I mean, the, the, the very baseline and, and, and foundation of every subject is behavioral science. Why do we want to learn about the secrets of the world? That's behavioral science. Through math, physics, quantum physics, why do we want to learn about what makes up everything? That curiosity, where does it come from? Or why do we have a tendency to appreciate our society above others and have collective narcissism? That's behavioral science, which goes into political science and economy and all of our economic relations and why every country chooses themselves above others. You know, all, I feel like it's just like the, the string that attaches everything together. Um, and that really, really fascinates me because it, it, it can explain literally everything. Uh, it's a very, very new subject. It's a very new discipline uh, in the college world in the sorry in the academic world um and it's just kind of a mix of economics psychology and neuroscience so it's this very emerging topic and i think that's even more exciting because i feel like that tells me that it's possible for me to get uh very involved and possibly to do some real groundbreaking research in my future in any specific subject that i get really into because honestly i've just taken a, I'm, I'm talking all this but I've, I've only taken a behavioral science 101 class <laughs> so um but it but i loved it so so, and, and I know it's something that truly makes me passionate and it's something that I've been interested in since I was, again, like 12 years old. So I think it's it's something that I can definitely see myself really delving into in my career and um, hopefully finding some some really groundbreaking information that would help people understand uh, behavior in, in, in any uh, academic field like economics or international relations, which is also something I'm really interested in um, and hopefully can bring some sort of peace in, in, in understanding uh, why we have such turbulent uh, international relations today and and how we can fix that through learning our, from our own behavior. Thank you. That's absolutely fascinating. As a, And as someone who is self-introspective, what kind of makeup for your personality or at least for your culture that you see? Are you more Venezuelan than any other uh, identification or are you a mix 
between American and Latin American and European and a little bit of K-pop, so a bit Korean and some anime, so a bit Japanese and therefore cosmopolitan? Or what influences shaped your cultural attitudes as well as how would you describe that describe them when it relates to yourself i think that's a very interesting question uh i've always struggled with this question myself because cultural identity is obviously something very very big uh right now or ever i mean at all times i mean it's it's like who am i going back to the behavioral science i think I hate to think the fact that I'm like American in nature because I grew up in the States because I don't know. I I really struggle with that identity since I'm not legally from there and like no one in my family is from there, but I just kind of grew up there. It's a really complicated relationship. But uh, what I'm trying to say is I think I am pretty American. Um, Most I mean, I, I know how many members of Congress there are there is in the Senate and the House, but I don't know how many members of Congress or whether there even is a Congress in Venezuela, which is definitely a bad thing. And I should do a lot more research in my of my home country's political relations. But all that is to say, I, I feel pretty American, but I feel like a lot of my assertiveness and, and my outgoingness is very Venezuelan. I think um, I have a strong personality in the States and in Venezuela, a lot of my uh, strong personality traits or, or customs are are pretty normal. Um, and I think that definitely comes from my family. Um, my mom is super Venezuelan and she is so outgoing and so brave and, and just always uh, always on top of everything. And and that's that's a, a quality I learned from her and, and that is very cultural for us, um, but not necessarily American at all. So I think, I think I'm a good mix of both. My dad is also Spanish and Brazilian. So then that goes another <laughs> direction. And from him, I've... Spanish people are very honest, um, and I've definitely learned honesty from him. Very, be very critical. He's a, a, a he has a very um, very good critical thinking skills, and I think that's also something he has given to me. And I think that might be something that's pretty cultural as well. And then my stepdad is also American, and he's like this very kind person, very always very attentive. And I think that culture of politeness in the U.S., which does not exist in Venezuela or Spain, is also something that's been given to me. Uh, by him, which is very culturally relevant. So I think I'm a like a melting pot of all of these cultures, and I really appreciate that. I'm I'm really happy with um, what my parental figures have given me to work with culturally and, and in terms of personality. Um, so so yeah, I, I think I'm like a melting pot of everything, and and again, I'm I'm really happy with that. And I hope that uh, near the future, I'll be able to sort of. I don't know, get a more clear understanding of my cultural identity, because right now that's just how I define it as like just this big blob of everything. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at right now, just being that. Thank you. And yes, that gives you perspective in order to understand yourself and others through different lenses. And this gets me to ask, why did you choose the Duke Kunshan University while you had access to education in the US, in Spain, in Brazil, in Venezuela, or any other part of the world. So what's the story behind that? How did you hear about it? And what attracted you or interested you enough in order to apply and choose to study there? That's a great question. Hmm. I I actually got into some pretty good universities in the States, and I I didn't really think of applying in schools in Spain or Venezuela or Brazil. (laughs) But I think do Kunshan, I think it, it it offered me something that no U.S. university offered, which is a complete, utter challenge, like the total unknown, which is China. And 
China to me, although I'm not super well versed in it, I'd never taken a Chinese class before applying to DKU. I think it really fascinated me because it was that it was the complete opposite side of the world, complete different culture, language, alphabet, everything, um, cultural customs. It, it's just like this this unknown world, and uh, I think my mom was a little sad. Well, very sad. I was too, but it was almost like this like inevitable like choice that I was gonna make to do the. The absolute craziest thing I could possibly do, and go to China for college, and and just choose the biggest challenge that existed for me at that time. Um, and we, I think we both knew I was going to do it, and I, it was just going to be like the. I, I, we both know me, and that's just how I work. Um, I think DKU offers a really interesting education. Of course, there's the Duke degree and the fact that there's Duke professors. It's a Duke institution, but also being in China and immersed with other Chinese professors, not just Duke professors, um, with completely different upbringings and completely different teaching styles. Um, that is super interesting to me. And going and knowing or thinking that I wanted to do uh, economics, uh, China is is so interesting to do to study economics in because it's it's this complete utter different power, also a global powerhouse, but in a complete different light and way. Um, now that I'm getting a little more to behavioral science, I don't know whether I will end up studying economics or not. Uh, probably not. But regardless, behavioral science from China is still such a different perspective, and and I'm looking forward to that so 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 much. I do plan on going to grad school in the states. Uh, I want to go to law school, so that's. That would be my next step. I don't think I will be staying in China very much, but I think as a four-year journey、um, of being in the complete unknown and and taking up this challenge, I think、uh, I think that just sounded like the perfect、uh, education for me. Thank you, and I love that metaphor you used of being in the complete unknown and challenging yourself. Can you speak a bit more about that? Why is is it important for you to challenge yourself? A lot of people, you know, or even some psychologists will say the deepest human fear is the fear of the unknown. So most people don't delve into the abyss of the unknown, and they don't challenge themselves that way. So, what beliefs or attitudes or desires motivated you and encouraged you and to jump into the unknown, go to something totally different, totally far away? And to challenge yourself that much, and what about most people does not push them out of their comfort zone that far, so that they would do the same. I think what it is about me with challenges is that I feel like I, I I'm a very growth oriented person, and I think challenges are really the only way we can grow. I feel like what you said about、um, you know people being fearing the unknown. I think it's it's a fear of of change. It's a fear of of destabilization. But I think stability of anything is is so scary. Like there's so much more. There's so much more to like. We only live this one short life. Such a short life in the scope of of Earth and the universe and all this, all these existential thoughts that come running down our head when we think like, well, what are we going to do with this short life? I think the only way to really fulfill all of the potential that we have, which is so much, regardless of who you are, there we have so much potential as human beings, is to challenge yourself and to challenge where you are, who you are, who you surround yourself with, and and that doesn't have to be a physical or. or Or place challenge, like I was saying with China, it can also just be like mentally thinking, why am I here? What what is my purpose in doing what I'm doing right now? And again, that can be with anything. That can be with who you're surrounding yourself with. And and if you find that where you are and who you're surrounding yourself with and 
what you're doing right now to to move yourself forward is okay. And if, if that's stability for you, that's completely okay. And and if that's the trajectory you want to follow, that's completely okay. I think personally for me, I just I'm always I, I always want to grow more. And sometimes that can be a negative, sometimes it can be a good thing. Um but that's just how I find myself working and challenges, regardless of whether they go well or they go wrong, they teach you something as well. They don't just have to be for growth. You can learn from them. And I guess that's kind of growth, <laughs> learning something. But um, but but you can stay where you are having learned a lesson from from trying something else. Um, so, yeah, they, they don't always have to be uh, these huge life changing events. They can also just be like thinking about how you're doing and, and, and critically looking at uh what your track uh, is in life. So I, I think we're very comfortable with just staying where we are because because that's the safe option and that's just how we're used to being because it's, especially in America, we're just taught to, you know, go to college, get a job, get married, settle down, you're done, you're done, that's that's life. And that to me is the opposite of what I want. And, and of course there's people that want that and of course that's totally okay. But I wish we could ask more of ourselves because there is so much more within every single one of ourselves. So yeah, I think it's just, it's just trying and, and, and making life worth living, which again, doesn't have to be insane. It, it can just be, you know, questioning where you are and, and whether that's really where you wanna be. Thank you. And you spoke about making life worth living. To understand you even more, do you enjoy the thrill of new emotions, of taking risks that if you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, you feel bored and therefore new emotions, extreme emotions are important and essential for you to live life? Are you more like a girl who loves telenovelas and all the drama and wishes to live a life of adventure, excitement and drama in a mix of like that Brazilian culture and the Latin American and the Spanish, or you're not like that. It's more about intellectual curiosity and growth in a more stable way. Uh, I think it's a, the latter. I, I mean, I like watching dramas, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think I get bored with stability. I think it's just um, stability, complete stability doesn't necessarily intellectually stimulate me in the way I'd like to to, to, to see myself in the future. And yeah, and I, I don't think it comes out of a place of needing extreme emotions. If anything, I, I my life is pretty relaxed. I mean, I go to sleep pretty early. I have like my nighttime routine. If anything, I tend to take really good care of my like personal peace. I think it it's more of like a I, I want to see myself uh, trying my best. I want to see myself trying my hardest and working the hardest that I can, of course, with breaks and resting because resting is just as important as working. But uh but I think it, it, it just comes out of a place of, of wanting to see myself do my best and taking care of myself the best that I can. And yeah, and, and just being in a place where, where I'm satisfied with the work I'm putting in. If anything, extreme emotions tend to really throw me off track. And like, well, of course, you know, drama once in a while is, you know, fun, uh, but and and keeps things interesting, but definitely not as a as a recurring thing. I, I don't think I could live with that. But yeah, I, I think um, also drama tends to be very um, unwarranted, I guess. Like it just happens with life. But yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely the latter. I think I just, I want to know that I'm trying my best. Thank you. And one final question to understand even more. You're now in Barcelona in Spain. How would you compare the people uh, there 
to where you grew up in Arlington, Virginia, what's the difference between like an American woman and a Catalan woman? Because I don't know if they represent the Spanish culture or not. In Barcelona, it's more the Catalan culture. How of your own perspective, since you tended to analyze people and their personalities, I'm sure you tended to notice the similarities and differences. What would you say? I think uh, as a whole, the Mediterranean tends to be a lot more honest and and living day to day. Um, I love that. I think it's so nice that there's no underlying concern of like, oh, there's like kind of the opposite of me which is like always thinking about, oh, what am I going to do next? Like, what do I have to organize? Like, oh, how do I get here? Here, it's, living is very, it, it's very normal. It's very, I guess, just day to day. Like you, you go out, you have a coffee, you go to work, you go at lunch with your friends. I think that is also so important. Like having sometimes just having a normal day where you just do what you want and and relax is, is so nice and so relevant to our mental well-being. Um, in Virginia and Arlington, um, Arlington is right side of uh, right outside of DC, so so it's it's all of like the governor's kids and like it's 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 a very um, it tends to be pretty upper class. It's, it's very uh, redlined, so it depends, um, which is you know also a sad thing about Arlington because we have such brilliant minds, but um, there the resources there are very divided um, between you know, people, upper class people and lower class people. But the truth is in Arlington, everyone is extremely competitive in terms of um, schools and and work and, oh, what internship am I going to score next? And, oh, what's your LinkedIn? Give me your work card or your business card. So here it's a uh, complete 180 from that. It's it's very like, oh, let me drink a little sangria, maybe take a break and then go back to work. It's very nice. It's, it's completely different. Um, and I think obviously there's people also worry here and people also think about what they want to do next year. I'm not saying they don't. Uh, I think it's just a, a different way to live life of just enjoying the moment and, you know, being okay with where you are. And, and, and yeah, I, I think there is a, a different level of anxiety that exists between uh, Barcelona and Arlington, very, very noticeable uh, different levels of anxiety um, from from all those concerns of what am I going to do next, all this stuff. So I, I think it's so fun being here. And if anything, it's, it's teaching me that it's also okay to take life day by day and that you don't always have to be reaching for more, uh, which is, as you've probably understood, something that uh, I could very well learn from. But yes, so that's my answer. We all could learn more from that. Thank you so much, Amanda. This was my privilege my honor, such a wonderful way to understand you, to have different perspectives and a new way to think about things that matter. And I wish you success. I wish you a wonderful four years studying behavioral science and everything you wish for in China and Duke Konshan University. And I wish you that balance between being a go-getter and relaxing and having a good siesta once in a while. Thank you so much. Uh, God knows I could uh, take a little good siesta right now. <laughs> but um, but yes, thank you so much, Aziz. This was so, so, so nice um, and made me think a lot about myself. I'm definitely going to do a little reflection after this. So yes, thank you so much for having me on.